The hosts, Rob Velazzi and Jason Dominique, and their guests are not financial advisors unless otherwise disclaimed. The content on Today at Ember is for educational and entertainment purposes only and merely cite their own personal opinions. Know that all investments involve some form of risk. Please work with an investment professional. And now on to today's episode with Today at Ember. Hello, hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome to Today at Ember. This is a weekly series where we discuss topics on blockchain, on DeFi. And uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Jason Dominic. I'm head of strategy. Unfortunately, today, Rob isn't with us. So we have uh, Eli, uh, which is our head of operations. Eli, how are you today? Hey, hey, I'm good. Thank you. How about you? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, I mean, again, another great week. As you know, Eli, we had the launch of our second pre-sales this week on Tuesday. Yeah. And uh, yeah, another great week. Yeah, it's still going on. Uh, Finally, I made my way into the podcast. Too bad there is no Rob here today with us, but... (laughs) <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll work it out anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. Every week is is a big one. Yeah, definitely. So, um, as you all know, we had two uh, pre-sale stages before going into uh, secondary market, and this week it was sort of the uh, the chance for uh, whoever wasn't able to get in our private pre-sale, which was whitelisted to you know grab as many embers as possible and uh it's been about what 48 hours now yeah for just 48 hours yeah and uh, i think we have a few statistics so far uh eli yeah we have quite a few statistics so um as you probably all know we've had quite a few wallets buying into the pre-sale into the both both stages so i guess the numbers for the public one, are roughly 600, and for the private, more than 1,000. I guess 1,300, 1,200, something along those lines. So we're not even launched yet, but we already have like 2,000 wallets. That's that's pretty yeah, crazy. That's is, pretty amazing. This is massive. I think that, you know, we always, again, you know, some people are going to be like, well, it hasn't gone, you know, as fast as the private pre-sale, but ultimately, like... How fast went the private pre-sale? That's just incredible. That's just massive. Like like we were saying last week, Rob and I, and I'm sure you agree with this, uh, Eli, is you know, nobody expected it to be, you know, most of our team we thought it would take maybe a few days. I mean, private pre-sale was meant to last six days. So having it go completely, you know, out in just a few hours. Um, this this is not the norm. This is definitely not the norm. And I think that right now, 48 hours in, we've sold, if I'm not mistaken, a little over 25% of the tokens that were allocated. And uh, this is actually really, really good. What are your thoughts on this, uh, Eli? Yeah, I think that, I mean, the private pre-sale, the whitelisted pre-sale went just amazing. Like, Exactly two hours and 45 minutes and bam, no no more tokens. <laughs> we were thinking actually, like, how do we boost it? Because there is just a finite amount of people who can participate in it, who can buy the tokens. Like, how do we promote it? How do we boost it? 
we were ready to work like six days, just reaching out to whitelisted people. Yeah, just like telephone that lasts like a week. And bam, two hours, 45 minutes. And before we even try like to uh, sort of once the gate have opened and you just do constant outreaching and awareness before we even started, it was over. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, de- it definitely caught us all by surprise. So no wonder that even right now, it's important that everyone takes sort of a step back and think, you know, this is quite normal, this speed at which it's going. Normal in the sense that still going, you know, quite fast and steadily. And a lot of effort went into this, which is the wallet distribution. Oh, yeah. uh, so the oh, wallet yeah. distribution is definitely something that if you're, you know, new to crypto, specifically, you know, in, in you know, the DeFi space. Not even in DeFi space. Like just I mean, crypto, any, just crypto in general. Yeah, exactly. I think one of the most important things that you need to do when you sort of look into a project that is of interest to you, you have to almost look at this first. So the wallet distribution and the mechanism that the uh, the promoters of the project put in place to make sure that it's evenly distributed. And right now, I mean, Eli, the wallet distribution that we have is just... It's very good. It's even more than very good. It's almost excellent, I would say. Right now, we have a wallet distribution that is typical for projects that are like one year or two years old. So when the wallet distribution equals up a little bit, so we do not, you don't have those massive wallets of like 5 or 10%, like private wallets, yeah. that can affect the price like tremendously, as we all know. Yeah, and you're... You know, we've told this, uh, you know, to our, um, you know, our audience before, and unfortunately, you weren't able to be present to talk about tokenomics. But all of this comes down to tokenomics. I mean, at the end of the day, this is not like, how can I say, this is not like something that happens. Luckily, you know, this is not chance that it sort of became so organic and healthy you know you have to plan this in advance yeah yeah obviously we have planned the, this this whole thing in advance but i guess the results uh, turn out to be better than we have anticipated so during the first round of pre-sale the private one we've had i think like five wallets that were close bought the maximum amount of tokens yeah. available so Took the hard and, cap yeah we have to remember that this is is just half of a percent. It's zero point five. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some people were quite scared that you know, oh, what if someone you know, many people buy or whales. I mean, we can't even qualify that. Even if someone purchases a significant amount of embers, even if he tries to work his way around in the public sale right now, because you can actually set up multiple wallets. I mean, this is not something we have mechanism against, but you know, even if he would bought or she would buy multiple uh, hard caps through different wallets, it would still not be considered a well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, we're extremely happy with our tokenomics, and I think that everyone can agree. And we've been seeing a lot of comments 
on the socials in regards to exactly this. And people are noticing that this distribution is, you know, it's, it's beautiful. And this comes down to all the work that we've put into tokenomics. Yeah. And, you know, props to you, Eli, because that's pretty much what you've been focusing on. And all of these, let's remember that, and we've mentioned this before, let's remember that when you go from ideation to launch, a lot of the steps that you do, these are one-offs. Like you're not going to work on your tokenomics 25 times. You know, you work on them, you refine them. And once you, you know, you, you mint your contract and you put your, you know, your, your tokenomics out there to the public. And that's why we waited for so long because we were double testing. You were double verifying. Yeah, we all were. Yeah, we were all. Yeah, for sure. But don't put the whole pressure on me solely, man. <laughs> no, I'm not putting the pressure on you. But you know, we're all spearheading. You know, our our project in and our sort of things. But I remember you going back multiple times and you know uh, looking at different scenarios and you know at any moment that you felt unsure, you're like, oh, I'm just gonna double check with our token economist. And that came yeah. very helpful. Yeah, yeah. He was of a great help. Oh, speaking about, about the tokenomics and the wallet distribution, I think that we should touch the base a little bit about how the wallet distribution really works in crypto in general, even with like bigger, like massive, yeah, massive projects that raise millions, like tens, tens of millions of dollars worth yep. of crypto. So basically, we have right now five wallets that almost like maxed out, like 0.5%. Five, only five of them. And the rules for the vesting are similar, exactly the same for every single one of them. The interesting part is, though, that when even bigger projects launch, they have a pre-sale. And so VC funds reach out to them and basically tell them, take our money, let us buy. Project, of course. I yeah. mean, I mean, you have to get a lot of money for development. Blockchain costs X five, X ten from your regular IT. So, blockchain experts they cost not like two hundred euros or dollars an hour. Hell no. They cost Hell no. seven. Just check the Haskell, for example. Haskell Solidity is a little bit lower right now. Yeah, but Haskell seven hundred one hour seven hundred. There are not so many of them. This is not Python. This is not C Sharp. This is Haskell. Like nobody codes in Haskell, right? Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, because these guys, unless they're your CTO or something like that, they're not going to know what to do. Like you need to have, like, this is not enough to have great Solidity or Haskell developers. Yeah. You need to have amazing project manager or head of technologies that know exactly how to scope a project and to be able to deliver that. Yeah. So I'm just saying, you know, this is part of the puzzle, but it's not the full picture. Yeah, we got distracted a little bit. That we were talking about tokenomics. But um, yeah, <laughs> going back to the tokenomics. So these VC funds, they basically tell you, take our money, give us tokens. And you, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take your money. I'll give you tokens, no problem. What is going to be the cliff? What's going to be the vesting schedule? So we propose this, 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 and this. And there is, for example, $1 million just sitting in front of you in exchange for tokens. And then VC funds start telling you, we want 5% of the total supply. And we want vesting yeah. to be only five months. 
but you desperately need this $1 million for development because otherwise the project might not even take off at all. And these projects, they have to say, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. So these private pre-sales, usually, usually, every big investor has a unique set of rules. So everything is personalized. We here, on the other hand, have the same rules for everyone. Absolutely. And I like that you're actually addressing this topic, Eli, um, because, you know, one of the shows that I listen to myself that I'm a big fan of is the one with Kevin Rose, and it's called Modern Finance. And he's actually a VC at Google Ventures. And he's always mentioning, you know, obviously, it's not every VC firm that, uh, you know, takes the same type of bite in the same with the same terms. But he's trying to promote the idea that VCs should want to have their tokens vest just as long, if not super, even longer. I mean, he's even promoting, and none of the deals that they went in will be vesting less than four years. So that's just to give you an example that the DeFi world is moving more and more and more towards your traditional sort of vesting approach that you have in the startup world. But I think that a point that you want to make, Eli, and this is where I agree with you, is we're sort of, um, you know, the DeFi, if you, and in our case, we could have went the same way as many other projects, which did some form of initial coin offering with accredited investors and decided to allocate X amount of tokens at an extremely reduced price. Almost, you know, your general average would be 50% off of your private pre-sale. Sometimes even more. Exactly. And then at that point, so the one part is which goes a little bit against sort of the values of DeFi is we want to empower people and eliminate or not necessarily eliminate, but think of a more decentralized uh, way of, of funding projects and ideas. But then if you go and do sort of an ICO and you go on some websites of very prominent projects, you understand, you know, sometimes you just have to, but you see that a pretty big chunk of their distribution is allocated to these big VCs that basically own a huge amount. And not to say that would threaten, but if their vesting period is not long, then if they think that the project, you know, it's no longer good, then they can just opt out. Yeah, or if they think... So I guess there are a couple of types of VCs. So you have these modern VCs that actually care about the projects they invest in. These VCs, they invest there like sharks, like piranhas. So they bite and when they feel like it's the best way to take profits, they just take it all and the project dies and they don't care. Yeah. So obviously... This is not something that we would like to see in crypto. So we would like crypto to be, as you said before, more empowering, more transparent, more open to everyone. Yeah. That's why wallet distribution is very crucial, very important. 
Yeah. And I think we've been quite successful so far with, you know, us still remaining in control because at the end of the day, it's about being able to control your, not necessarily your destiny, but you don't want to be under someone's feet and, you know, have to align based on their desires and wishes, you know? So yeah, because these VCs really enjoy leveraging. Because if they tell you, hey guys, we can ruin the price by 80% by just clicking one button, or you can succumb to our to what we want to do, basically. You, yeah. You're working for us. Yeah, we don't want that. We want no. to be, yeah, we want to be decentralized. We don't want anyone to govern us. Yeah. So uh, very, very good topic. So a lot of people, and I know we've mentioned this during our live stream of Tuesday that Rob and I did, a lot of people were wondering, and we're going to do it again today, but don't worry, you know, the tokens that you've purchased, I know this is not, you know, I mean, it, it is common, but not so common to have vesting. So the way it works is that when you purchase those tokens, they don't immediately appear in your wallet. So the way you go about to see where they are and look at the balance is you just need to go back on joinembr.com, head to the pre-sell page where there's the, uh, there's the swap interface and connect your wallet. And at that point, you will see just above sort of the uh, BNB area, there's going to be two lines or just one line. But essentially, it's going to tell you how much you've purchased in which stage of the pre-sale. So they are there. This actually interacts with... It goes and fetches the vault contract aligned with uh, your wallet address and shows. So it's a display. So it's a balance checker. Yeah, it's all written in the smart contract. It cannot be erased by anyone. It stays there forever. It's a smart contract. It's on blockchain. Everyone can check it. So yeah, just if you forgot about like how many tokens did I purchase? Or just want to double check, you know, because this is new. This is new for even us, not to say that we're not familiar with vesting, but doing it like this. I mean, Eli, have you seen any other platform do this? Not so much. Not so much. I mean... I, I've seen some chains do that, like Avalanche, for example. Yeah, then, the process, they, but I mean, you have to go somewhere else or like you, you don't get to go on their website and connect your wallet and, and see your, your vested balance. Well, yeah, yeah, pretty much so. So it's new for us as well. I mean, we're designing it and we're thinking about it, but yeah, it's satisfying to see that what we've imagined and envisioned it's you know it's something that we can create and ultimately it's going to get much better because right now it's, it's sort of a really really basic balance checker it's, and in, it's like a pro, it's like like a proof of technology yeah exactly sometimes we work much harder in the background than we work in the front end and sometimes the front end you know it's it's good enough and it's sort of temporary but the technology behind it you know, have absolutely no doubt about it. That's, I guess, like our approach. Yeah, totally, totally. So next steps that are coming up, Eli, is everybody's asking, well, you know, there's going to be other people that are going to be purchasing still because there's a few more days and 
We're going to still be doing some awareness out there about this current pre-sale. We've been seeing a lot of banner ads everywhere. We've been continuing to see coverage on different mainstream media websites, some articles. So there's been a lot of coverage. And I think that part, which had... Let's sort of take a step back and that effort, and I know we've covered it a little, but that effort was really just to cement Ember in the general sort of space to say, you know what, we mean business. And this is the type of uh, project. It's, it's serious and serious enough that, you know, it, it found its way and on some of the leading you know, websites of finance news or Bitcoin news, crypto news, blockchain news. So this is all in our favor in the sense that any new person that will come and see what we're about will get reassured that this is serious and, um, you know. Yeah, it's not your like average project, like experienced dev. Yeah. We have a podcast where we actually talk with people, where, where we actually talk between each other. <laughs> We're actually real people and not some just like experienced dev, yeah. what that even means. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, hopefully he is experienced. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> experienced in what? So, yeah, everybody's asking what's going to be the next step, you know? How do we get to secondary market? So, um, basically, we have to secure... Now, the fund, so the total supply, as you all know, is split in sectors, like in certain portions. So uh, we have to secure through vault contract, obviously. It works. We all know that. We can see that it works. Uh, and it, it's, it's working quite well. So we have to secure the funds, the staking reward pool, and all of the other. And we have to form a liquidity pool. Because we are DeFi project, so we will be launching on a decentralized exchange. And on BSC, the biggest one is obviously PancakeSwap, as you all know. A decentralized exchange that sometimes eats 35% of all the traffic of Binance Smart Chain. This is just mental, like crazy. At the peak uh, times, uh, it was eating $20,000 $20,000 equivalent in BNB in five minutes. Oh my God. That's yeah, so insane. the trading volume there is absolutely mental. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we have to form a liquidity pool and deploy it to the pancake swap so users can trade token through the pancake swap interface using their rotors to exchange Ember or BNB or any other currency that is present on Binance Smart Chain through the interface of PancakeSwap. We can talk a little bit, I guess, about how the liquidity pool is formed and how the token, so to say, launch price is determined. Well, let me take it a step back because, you know, every time I speak to people in my surrounding, because it's not everyone that is familiar, obviously, with the crypto world and how it works. And even, you know, my girlfriend, sometimes she's asking because obviously she purchased some Ember tokens initially. And she's like, well, what's the decentralized exchange? And she made this reference, which is, I found very interesting. She's like, well, if I want to sell my token, does that mean that somebody's going to buy it? Oh, that's a good one. This (laughs) is like the pinpoint, the pinnacle of what DeFi is right now. So 
yeah, DeFi is based, as hopefully we all know, on like automated market makers, decentralized exchanges. So in centralized exchanges, you buy and sell. And actually, if there is no trading volume, for example, I mean, on Binance, this is not the case because the trading volume there is absolutely mental. But on a smaller exchange, if you place a sell or a buy order, yeah. it might be stuck you like for wait. days. And someone will obviously front run your, your transactions. So on centralized exchanges, you trade through order books, just like, like in your regular yeah, life. You have to submit that you want to sell something, you know, in those centralized exchange, whether it's, you know, Hotbit or all those sorts of advanced, obviously, I mean, not everyone can, well, I mean, you, there's a learning curve, but I wouldn't imagine, you know, uh, a, most of my friend, let alone my girlfriend, go on BitMart or whatever and throw in there a sell order. <laughs> like, how does that work? So how does it work in DeFi? Well, in DeFi, it works through a liquidity pool. Exactly. You take one token and you take another token. I mean, the token that you're going to be trading against, so to say. Uh, in our case, that would be BNB. Which is and the, the main Emma. token of Binance. Yes, yes, like the native token. Yeah. So you put these two pools of tokens against each other and the price of most of the time's new token, like EMBA, is determined by the price of another token. In our case, it's uh, BNB. So you have to pull the equal amounts of tokens in terms of price. For example, if we take one BNB and one EMBA and we deploy it to the liquidity pool, that would mean for the decentralized exchange that one EMBA is worth one BNB. <laughs> Which is worth like 500 and something as of today. But it's not going to be the case, obviously. Yeah, this is not going to be the case because, yeah, this liquidity pool is going to be drained very fast. <laughs> but we could, you know, th this yeah, is something that could. everybody needs to know is the uh, selling price is, you know, we could decide to sell one ember twice the price of a BNB. We could. Yeah. But then again, yeah, would that work, you know? Yeah, but we want stability. We want longevity. We want people to trade it. We want everything to be as stable as possible. That's why we're going to be putting a considerable amount of BNBs and Ember tokens in our liquidity pool when we launch on the secondary market. Just what's the average of your, you know, your average liquidity percentage out of your whole circulation of your typical Binance Smart Chain project? Oh, that's a good one. It all depends because recently we all know that like a lot of uh, reflection tokens uh, just rushed to the market, and basically every single token, like ninety nine percent, they create the smallest liquidity pool just because they want to go to the. But compared to us, I mean, their liquidity pools are quite big, but they're big in their token, not in BNB. <laughs> so that's why we see like the market caps of a lot of these coins, like $100,000. And that doesn't even mean that there are a lot of BNB sitting there because liquidity pool, it consists out of two components. So if a liquidity pool is $100,000, it means that there are $50,000 in BNB and $50,000 of your token. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, our liquidity pool, uh, we are doing everything 
for it to be very stable, very resilient to different market changes. But yeah. I just want to put this out there that when you create a liquidity pool in, in let's say, DeFi on a decentralized exchange and you pair it with, in our case, Binance, uh, the BNB, let's remember that even if there's no trading, the price can change. Oh, yeah. Why does it change? It changes uh, because the price of, for in our case, BNB uh, changes and these fluctuations of price, it's completely normal in DeFi. So this means that if someone's actually looking at a chart of a token that is paired with BNB and there is no activity and suddenly in the next two weeks, BNB starts to pump like it's doing really well. So their token might actually start popping as well. Not because there's lots of buys. It's just because it's paired to another token that's actually doing well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, it can be any other token. If someone would, <laughs> let's just imagine, pair their tokens with, I don't know, Doge before it pumped. <laughs> before it pumped like 100x. Imagine what would be... what that token price would be. It would be absolutely mental, absolutely crazy. It would pump even more than than the original token. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a really interesting concept, these two things. And thanks for clearing that up, Eli, because, you know, at Ember, we're all about being obviously transparent and not, sorry for the word, but bullshitting people because we're about to enter secondary market and it's it's going to move and we want to make sure that people understand why it's moving and how it's behaving and how does it work compared to other tokens where sometimes you go in there and you observe and they're like well today was a really good day we did like whatever x amount and you look at you know the 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 transactions and there's been absolutely nothing so yeah. Be careful, you know, and obviously this is not our culture and this is not how we, you know, we don't want to take advantage of people's ignorance. We want to empower them with knowledge, which is totally different than what you currently see in the space because what you get is this influx of very, very you know, new people that enter the space that barely know anything about nothing, but their driving factor is profit and gains. So sometimes the profit and gains, the envy is so strong that people are willing to basically not necessarily ask the right questions, but also on the other side of this situation, people will take advantage of this. And they're basically going to mislead you in thinking that it's it's a- actually really doing well when actually there's nothing happening. And it's vice versa is yeah. the same thing. So we've been talking about the positive side of being paired, but you also have the negative side of being paired. Meaning that if there is a shit day today in the market with your paired sort of currency, well, you're basically going to have somewhat of a shit day as well, right? Yeah, <laughs> you can have a, Unless, a bad day, but it depends. It depends of how you think. Yes, yeah. of course. It depends of, of course. how you think. Yes, but I'm just trying to be like, 
very just what you see right now, not the big picture, you know, not the zoom out. and In crypto, you have to always zoom out. You have to always zoom out. What would we say? We say, when in doubt, zoom out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when in doubt, you like... Yeah, this is how we say <laughs> But what I mean is sometimes you look at the chart and you look like a 24-hour it it drops, yeah. but then again, if you zoom out and seven days or thirty days or, or six months, you're like, well, it, it hasn't really yeah, dropped. Just look at the BNB today. If you see, if if you take a look at like last three days, you'll be, oh man, I have lost so much money. No, you've made so because much because you've made so much on the course. If you're not a day trader, yeah, obviously, if you're a day trader, you might you might just sit for a couple of weeks until it gets back to the previous level, and then yeah. Call it a day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so I mean, this is this is this is really good. Yeah, I like this. Yeah, and with with DeFi, there is what I like to call like fiat thinking and crypto thinking. So, in DeFi, everything is determined by the liquidity pool and the automated market maker, right? So, when you see that there is like not too many trades going on, you see the dollar price or fiat price. Of your tokens drop, you might panic. But take a look at what is the token worth in crypto, in BNB. Because you know, a lot of people, a lot of investors, they don't care about fiat money at all right now. They convert everything into Bitcoin. Yeah, they think crypto or first. Ethereum or a BNB. lot of people they they think crypto exactly. first. Exactly. Yes. A lot of people are like, well, I'm gonna pile up this currency, this cryptocurrency, whether it's ETH, they're like, well, I don't care about what it means in my local fiat. What matters to yeah. me is to gather more of this currency, of this cryptocurrency. Yeah, of this currency that, that you believe in, or like a more conservative approach to it, Bitcoin. This is why in your, for example, Binance account, when you check your spot wallet, it says... How much it's worth? First things first, it's worth in Bitcoin. And after... Very small text, United States dollars or whatever price, whatever currency you put there. It shows you the Bitcoin. So like on a lucky day, on a good day, you see that your, I don't know, like altcoin portfolio costs at like half of Bitcoin. And you're like, yeah, but in fiat money, what does it, it mean? costs way less. But half a year after, you see how much your portfolio is worth. And it's like 0.1 Bitcoin. Yeah. And you're like, damn. What did it wrong? <laughs> Fiat versus versus crypto thing. Yeah, and, and let's remember as well that, and uh, you know, most people know this, but you know, your average fiat is a deflationary currency compared to your crypto assets, which are in you know, they'll be inflationary. You know, if think of it in a strategic perspective, where not in a short term, but in the long term. It's way more strategic to hold something that is not deflationary because your average American or even other countries, they're printing more. They're always printing more. Oh, yeah. So this means that they're diluting yeah. the market with more currency. Yeah. Not the case, for example, for Japan, I guess. They have like deflationary monetary system for some reason. I don't know why. But their money worth more. <laughs> Luckily, we're not, you know, we're not doing a fiat show today on. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing a crypto show. <laughs> exactly. We told you, think crypto, not fiat. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, great subject. I think 
this was important for me to make sure that our audience know how we're thinking and not to be misled about how the market works. And ultimately, I think it's also a reality check in the sense that the more people that are going to be coming in, the more that, and what I mean coming in is in, in this ecosystem, is that they don't know how it works. Most of them will not know like the actual, how does it interact? Why, you know, why do we have to put a liquidity pool? Why are we paired with BNB? Like, because it's, it's... And not BUSD, for example, because BUSD cannot dump. Why don't you use stablecoin liquidity pools? Because strategically thinking, crypto is always going up, right? Am I right, guys? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, obviously, if you look like at, at a one year, it's always, you know, oh, yeah, always going it, up. It's always up. It's always up. Yeah. So, yeah, what else did we have today? Uh, I think we have pretty much covered the topics that we want. I mean, obviously, today was a uh, very much a liquidity pool topic. And I'm, I'm happy that we've, mm, crypto, yeah. Yeah, that we've covered that. I know that we have a few questions from... Yeah. So we have a question about rough timeline or details on staking. So mm. staking development um, is ready to go into the testing phase. Uh, obviously, you have to test everything because it will be... Yes, it's, it's a good topic for a, a dedicated TAE. Yeah, dedicated show. But we will have six smart contracts and you have to spend quite a bit of time on actually development, developing everything and uh, testing everything. But as you all know, when it goes into testing, it means that it's it's like pretty much ready. You have to test it. Yeah, and if we've learned one thing about auditing and, and also testing, is that when your technology is ready, put an extra month in front of it, at least to do the back and forth. We've learned it, let's say, hypothetically, the hard way, which I mean... It's just business as usual. But yeah, as soon as we're ready and we're testing, we're going to reinitiate this process of you know getting all those contracts audited uh, and tested. And from there, we'll be able to create the whole like, front-end Web3 interface to interact with it. I mean, it's going to be very simple. You know, It's not a complicated yeah. thing to interact. Yeah, this is our approach. We, we want everything to be as simple as possible for the for the end user so you literally have this 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 and this and everything is out there yeah so i mean i think that we've answered indirectly most of these questions that i'm reading right now but i just want to reassure everyone that you know in the public pre-sale right now we're not gonna stop it short it's going to run the full time that it says on the pre-sale page. So I know that some of you have been thinking, well, I'm actually happy that it's not ending tomorrow. Obviously, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that purchase whatever's left and it'll end early. But, and a lot of people are probably, you know, at, in some places in the world, people get paid every two weeks and uh, on Thursdays. So um, today or tomorrow will be a big day for them and they want to, you know, maybe double dip or do a, a first time buy. Uh, but don't worry. I just wanted to uh, reassure everyone that it's going to go until the, you know, the 22nd. So it's going to be a full six days. 
And afterwards, so we're in the process right now of looking into setting up this uh, liquidity pool. And um, we're going to keep everyone uh, informed uh, on our different socials. Uh, you can also head to um, our website. There are still a lot of people in the world that do not know that Amber exists and they do not know what Amber is trying to fix and what we will fix, how, how we will change the BSC space and after that, other spaces as well. So if you're a member of our Telegram, there is actually a giveaway going on right now. So join the Ember Awareness Center, take part in the giveaway, and yeah, this is, it, it's, it's all in the Telegram. Yeah, this is a very good Go point. There. And to this, this is also a, a first, I think, and this is something we wanted to do again. Shout out to our team on Telegram, which have so much initiative, and they decided to regroup You know, all the things that we're doing to reach new audience, you know, all our initiatives are in there. Uh, so it's called, like you said, Eli, it's called the um, Awareness Center. Uh, and, um, and don't forget about our Knowledge Center as well. as well. If you're new or if you know someone that is new, Knowledge Center, Awareness Center, Telegram, go there. There you go. Well, so this pretty much wraps this up uh, for this week, uh, Eli. Thanks for joining us. It was a pleasure. And basically, we're here every week, 2 p.m. today at Ember. It's an uh, informative series every Thursday. You can join us. And next week, Eli is still going to be there because in the States... There is Thanksgiving, and uh, we're going to give, again, Rob some, uh, some personal time. He's earned it, so he's going to spend time with his family. I personally will be in the British Virgin Islands, so I'll be coming to you live with Eli, which is going to be in his hometown. Unfortunately, it's probably going to snow, and I'm probably going to be in shorts. <laughs> but that's just how it is so I'm, I'm really excited to um, to head over there and meet some of our partners and uh, to finalize some setup but um, I'll try to find a, a good way to uh, have a nice backdrop so that's it for this week thanks for uh, tuning in and talk to you guys next week yeah bye bye